You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup B, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. Look at that stash. <laughs> yeah, like it's a true, like there, I feel like there's more than two hosts now. <laughs> Considering that we, like this thing has its own Twitter account now. You know, there's a moment in a guy's life where he kind of finds his look. Oh, I was going to say where he makes it. <laughs> And, and that is the look that he sticks with for time. I've had the same haircut for 10 years. See, and now the facial hair, I think you've completed your look and you can't change it. It's just, it's you now. But let's be honest. There's one reason I would ever change, like shave this thing off as if I was told to by a girlfriend or something. And, and- <laughs> And, but it would have to be like I was going to get cut off. But I, know, I, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I'm shocked that you're admitting that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on my girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> this episode of uh, Two and Outs brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. So if you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kazoski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network. So it's a great fit. You can learn more at parkpower.ca. Just wrapped up week 17 of the CFL season. It is flying by, and it started Friday night. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers beating the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 31-13. And there were times in this game where the Riders were were keeping it close. Uh, the Bombers did have a 17-3 lead at half. And then the Bomber or the Riders scored a touchdown in the third quarter. And then they scored the field goal to come within four. And then it was Bombers the the rest of the way. It was kind of like they were just playing possum a little bit. with just, the Yeah, just some rope-a-dope, right? Like uh, when Ali fought Foreman, he just yeah. let him beat the piss out of him. And then... Just let him tire himself out. Dredger Tatum and Homer Simpson. It was just, you knew what was going to happen in that fourth quarter. We had talked about it in the group chat that the Bombers were going to win this game. Like, there was nothing that the Riders could do, especially when it gets to that fourth quarter. And figuratively and literally, they pulled away. Like, Dalton Schoen pulling away from the, from the defensive backfield. Nick Dembski finding space in the in the defensive backfield. Like, it was, it just blew up the fourth quarter. Dan Clark making his return uh, to the offensive line for the Rough Riders. Um, so Cody Fajardo was not sacked once in this game. 
Which Neither is, was Zach Kalaros. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's been, I guess, part for the course for the rider D line who mm-hmm. has not been able to pressure uh, the quarterback. But uh, since I know, I know, <laughs> I'm trying to let it go. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think that's the issue, but it's just funny that I, I think it's more of a correlation than causation. But or uh, uh, sorry, like a coincidence than since because of that. The incident, the Riders are two and eight, the worst team in the CFL. They I've started four and two. one, and have just crumbled the the rest of the way. And yeah, the schedule's tough, but you got to beat the good teams if you're going to win mm-hmm. the Grey Cup anyway. Um, well, yeah, you're in a tough division. You have a tough schedule. Well, what do you think is going to happen come playoffs? You have to beat those teams to get there. You're going to have to beat a good team in the Grey Cup. Like if you can't beat them in the regular season. You can't be using that as a, well, it was too tough. Well, then you weren't going to win anyway. That being said, uh, and like were, I said, all season, this team was a fraud. They were without so Frankie right. Hickson, without mm-hmm. Jamal Morrow, and uh, Keenan LaFrance only got six carries, uh, 24 yards. So they, they couldn't really run the ball. They didn't really commit Try. to the, <laughs> running the ball. Uh, they turned the ball over on downs. They blew two third and ones. Uh, th- there was a lot of opportunities for the Rough Rider offense to mm-hmm. make things happen, um, but turning it over on third down, a, uh, a turnover on a dropped snap, I, I think it was, from Cody Fajardo, uh, deep in Winnipeg's end, and there you go. Uh, the Bomber offense turns it on. It seems like, okay, you know, we'll try now and do a two-play, 56-yard drive. Oh, it was a 64-yard drive, I should say. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, one of those plays was incomplete. So it was basically a one-play, 64-yard touchdown to Dalton Schoen. Uh, and, okay, we, 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 I'm convinced we're pronouncing his last name wrong. Schoen? Yeah, because it was Kenny Plain. Why can't this guy's last <laughs> yeah, name be Shane? Sure. Could be Shane. Yeah, you, yeah. you never know. <laughs> Ty, any guesses on the last Rough Rider quarterback to throw a regular season touchdown pass in Winnipeg? Darian? No, it, it's more recent than that. It's, uh, oh, it's, oh, oh, uh, 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 oh, man. I'd give you a hint, but it's way too easy. Yeah, it's... He's played for all nine teams, or had yeah. his rights. No, but, okay, that's not teams. who I was thinking then. Yeah, Kevin yeah, Glenn. It's Kevin Glenn. Who, that's uh, embarrassing. Hit Naaman Roosevelt, September 9th of 2017. <laughs> the last touchdown what? pass the Riders threw in Winnipeg. That can't be right. That is. That is right. It's been a dry spell. <laughs> The likes that only a Brazilian tie would know. Whoa, whoa, and, uh, whoa friendly fire! <laughs> I saw where this. I saw where that was going. And I, 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 I had yeah. to take it. I had to take it. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Dalton shown 125 yards on four catches. The power offense didn't need to do much, but I think we can anoint Nick Dembski, the the rider killer. Uh, five catches, 94 yards. Two touchdowns. Uh, it seems like every time they're playing Saskatchewan, uh, they forget about Dembski. I, I I don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> it, it seems to happen. And like, so they let him walk, and everybody I seemed think, okay with it. 
I think Dembski was going to go back to Winnipeg he was go anyway. anyway. Yeah. But they utilize him. Yeah. He yeah. gets the ball where he wasn't getting these opportunities in, in Regina as much. Mm-hmm. People, people can be upset and everything, but it's like, look at Jacksonville right now and Urban Meyer has to be kicking himself and like, oh, if I actually use these players properly, like Doug Peterson is, these guys can be good. Well, it's the same thing with Nick Dembski. Zach Caleros only needed the complete 14 passes. To uh, four receivers, four pass catchers. And four of them were touchdowns, uh, 296 yards. But, yeah. The, can we just do the Great Cup preview show right now? I know. Well, after Toronto showing in Calgary, I don't know who's going to be f- playing Winnipeg. <laughs> we we got to yeah. figure that out. <laughs> 26 of 38 for 307 yards and an interception for Cody Fajardo. They did get Mason Fine in for, what, the last two minutes mm-hmm. or something? He five, went f- five attempts for one completion. Oh, it says he's four for five, 25 oh, yards. No, I was an, thinking of another one. And an interception, but... Uh, I was thinking of Chad Kelly. There you go. It's just the the riders, they couldn't... Well, and it's... <laughs> it. It's just the fourth quarter. They, they, they had all the opportunities. They couldn't finish drives. Without a running back that they were confident in, it just seems like they weren't going to be able to really do anything. No, and I've... Obviously jumped on the bandwagon early this year instead of waiting for playoffs. <laughs> I mean, they had less penalties than the Bombers, which is actually uh, quite yeah, the, now it's the off, change. Yeah, now, now it's off-field discipline we got to worry about. Like, yeah. If it's not one thing, it's the other. Yeah, uh, quite the change there. And the teams that the Riders have been competing with to, to get the last playoff spot haven't really been able to close in on them. That like, <laughs> and the actually, fact that this team might get rewarded for this futility is hilarious. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, Dickinson it's, has to go bull Durham on this team at some point. What's he gonna do? Yell them all! Yell at them all! Get them all in the shower! Throw the baseball bats at them! <laughs> and then ask, ask Jason Moss, how, "What's our record? Eight and sixteen? How do we ever win eight? Like, I know it's six and whatever, but that's not the quote. Six and but, nine. Like, nice. <laughs> like it's just, it's bit. And I said it early, and I, I brought it up once already, but like. This team just didn't show me anything that showed that what they at four and one that it was sustainable. It was like they were just they were winning games, but it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't like they were winning them. It was more like the other team was losing them. It was it was a mess, and then yeah, it just snowballed. And then you have the off the off field stuff, and well, the on field stuff with Marino to start, and then you have the off field stuff with Dalgala. It's just been a year of distractions, and if this team. This team's going to not – they're not making the Great Cup. I think we know that, even if they do get that crossover. But it's just been an absolute disaster. And and it's a year that they host Great Cup. Like, it's, it doesn't – this isn't going to sit well with, with season ticket holders who already feel like they don't get appreciated enough. And then to have a season like this when you host, it's going to piss off a lot of people. 
I really hope uh, Rider Nation comes out for the Grey Cup and uh, puts on a good show, though. Um, oh, they'll be at the parties. And I'm I'm trying to look. I was I was a young fella in '95 and in uh, 2003. And I, I don't know if there was the same expectations around the team. And then, you know, 2013 happens and you're mm-hmm. expecting, you know, the riders are going to be in the big game. And, and we all knew what it was. We all knew we'd sold the farm. Yeah. And we yeah. were totally okay with it. Yeah. But before that, I don't think there was really, I think it's, we're just hosting the Grey Cup. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter if our team's we'll win, in it we'll, or not. Yeah. We'll win six games and, you know, yeah. We'll break we'll, even on the year because we'll make money off the festival, and you know, CFL and CBC will kick off in July again. <laughs> and we'll show uh, Canada some Saskatchewan hospitality, and you and know why this is <laughs> one of the uh, maybe the heartland of the CFL on the prairies. And now I just don't feel like there's that attitude. It's uh, I think people are pissed. Well, and I get it. Um, the the new stadium where there really has only been the one playoff win. Uh, every year there has been a playoff game there. Finally getting the win in overtime over Calgary last year and then losing a West final where they forced all those turnovers against Winnipeg mm-hmm. and weren't able to capitalize. So uh, now things are, I, I don't know, maybe it looks like the things are, there's going to be some changes yeah. in uh, the offseason. And it doesn't help your biggest rival. Geographically, yeah. I guess. I, I mean, for years, Winnipeg didn't matter to Saskatchewan at all. It was always Calgary. But you know, Winnipeg, Winnipeg coming was in the East yeah. until Ottawa came back, right? And, and but you look at it, you know, Winnipeg's winning Grey Cups, they're winning Labor Day, they're winning Banjo Bulls, they're coming in and beating you soundly, handily, yeah. Right? That you're going, you know, you don't have a shot when you go there. Like it's, it's just an extra kick in the nuts. So there you go. The Bombers are thirteen and two. And, but they, I I feel like if they would have played a better offense here, it would have been uh, Mm -hmm. maybe a tougher sled for the coming in and and win this one against Saskatchewan, but just an offense that can't take uh, advantage of opportunities. And that, that was the story of it. That's, that's the bottom line. That's been the story of Jason Moss's offense all year. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't, I don't even think we need to open that bag. Hey, I was at the Elks and Alouettes game over the weekend, and I'm getting mocked by... Uh, As you uh, should, because of what you're probably wearing. I because they were saying, oh, Moss is going to be your next coach. Ryder fans would not accept that. No. Would they take Lapo? I think they would, but... Forgive and forget? But is Lapo head coach material? That's the other thing. Like, or is look, he... at jo- look at Josh McDaniel in the NFL. Bill Belichick coaching tree was a head coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Some guys just can't do it. Speaking of Lapo, the Red Blacks go to BC, lose 34-19 there. And then the next day, it is announced that Paul Lapalise is relieved of his duties as head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. His just 20... jumped the gun a bit. <laughs> his 28 games... Six and twenty-two record is that zero wins at home? It's another it's one of those. Chris Jones. Another one of those situations where they're trying to probably preserve a season ticket base and trying to get mm-hmm. some people to renew going into next season. 
I get it, but it seemed like the Red Blacks had some life when um, uh, Nick Arbuckle took the reins at quarterback, and then those two losses against Toronto, and then this, and I get it. Toronto is a they're a solid team. They're yeah. they're first in the East as of this moment, and then the the showing in in BC where the offense just can't get anything done. And I don't know if it's him struggling with the dual duties, but at the end of the day, the defense is a decent unit. The special teams in Ottawa is a decent unit and the offense is where they were failing just game after game after game. And that it falls on Lapo. At some point, somebody's going to take the blame they're not going to cut Masoli. Yeah. Right. And, and him getting hurt. I don't know how much that, changes things really like i mean they were over with him or did they have one win before he got hurt like yeah i mean so you lose so then you think you get that grace period you think this is kind of a like that lost season due to injury that lapo is going to get that break and you know it just things just seem to calm just seem to compound throughout the year and then like you said those two losses to toronto that's demoralizing their division opponents you know that's games that if you can win you can stay in the hunt kind of thing, and you just get, not throttled, but, I mean, you got to hope for at least a split. If I'm Oseg, I'm kind of looking at it and be like, well, yeah, you can fire him. I would have waited for the offseason to start when there's all the buzz around the centers this year. I'm serious. There's a lot of buzz around the Sens. Why not do it then? And it's not even a story in Ottawa. I think there Or do they want of... it to be a story so that the so, that the, so, like you said, the season ticket holders know. Well, and Ottawa fans are angry, and uh, from the displays they've seen from mm-hmm. the offense, and at times Can't it just looked like all. just giving up. And some of the some of the decisions about who's going to be in quarterback or who's going to be in for too long before uh, being brought out. I get it, and uh, he's he's a great guy. Um, but it just was not working Can't in count. Ottawa, so they had to make the change. So as of this moment, Bob Dice is the uh, interim head coach in Ottawa. I guess they're having a, a media conference the day that we're releasing this, so they're going to announce who's going to be making the offensive play calls and things like that. Uh, Bob Dice did take over in Saskatchewan when uh-huh. Corey Chamberlain was fired, and he took over on an interim basis there. And it seems like the players love him. He's a special teams guy, and they've got a great unit. So, yep. I mean, I don't know what it'll do for them for the rest dead, of the season. Dead cat but, bounce. But, like, it doesn't get them anywhere. But but to make fans show that they're committed to making some sort of changes there, and they're committed to improving the program in Ottawa, one where they were – contending for that East and a spot in the Grey Cup every year when once they first started. Kind of yeah. a spoiled fan base. Kind of like the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, 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 basically. Um, right? And like, they but, had Henry Burris, so that didn't hurt. Wow, he turned so many franchises around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's say that Bob Dice goes back to his role as a coordinator at the end of the season. Who's out there? I'm trying to think of head coaches. It's going to be uh, really interesting. I, I would like to say that we're going to see some new faces, but uh, I don't know. That's not how football works. <laughs> no, it's not how the CFL works either. No. <laughs> but Sean Burke's going to 
and I know Lapo mentioned it that uh, in his statement that he posted on social media that uh, Sean's been great to work with and things like that. But Burke's now going to be able to actually choose uh, somebody mm-hmm. and somebody that he's got confidence and somebody he has connections with. So we'll see what what choices he makes. I feel like there's a lot Don't of faces. No, I'm not going to say Moss okay. if that's what you're thinking. No, I was I was thinking Kahari. Well, he's going to be available, isn't he? I don't know if he'll go. Will he be Ottawa. available for the Hamilton job? <laughs> I'm not convinced that that's uh, that one is uh, secure going into next Damn. season as well. But hey, that that's going to be a guy. The offseason, uh, like, we always hope that there's just so much co- like the coaching carousel and the quarterback carousel, and then. We do a show every two weeks, and it's like, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so there's always been this feeling, I think, among Ottawa fans that they don't like to make changes mid-season, and they'll deal with it after the season. And do you think this is uh, part of the the struggles with an 18-game season? If it's like a 14-game season, and you suck, and you're done... It's like, but that extra four weeks of losing, it, it's a month of losing in football. It's like, we can't keep to going quote, like this. To quote Michael Scott, <laughs> I went 28 years without having sex. I can go for another 28. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, like, why make a change just for the sake of making a change? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't think that's what this is. Like, it doesn't right. get you anywhere, but it gives you a look at Bob Dice. Yeah. As a head coach, mm-hmm. uh, you're not you're not gonna. It's not gonna get you in the playoffs. It's not gonna turn this franchise around. But you know, if, if Bob Dice is a legit candidate for that job next year, here's his audition. Yeah, and we'll see. I know uh, Mark Killam was a, a guy that was interviewed plenty of times uh, last off season. I'm sure he's going to get a few interviews and. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, as for the BC Lions, Vernon Adams Jr. 38 yards rushing, 305 yards passing, two touchdowns and with uh with Brian Burnham on the on the injured list with the uh, fractured wrist, Keon Hatcher steps into that spot. He has a touchdown. Three catches, 47 yards. Dominic Rimes has 103 yards and Lucky Whitehead three catches, 87 yards, but does get rolled up on, ends up coming back into the game. That will be a situation to watch. I I thought that it would be big to get lucky rolling in this one for the Lions offense. He did have a 54-yard play, but that ankle that they retaped, that's going to be a situation to watch probably the rest of the season. But as they were talking on the broadcast, sometimes the nasty plays don't really – they don't turn out to be as serious, and that's what we're hoping for. It's those inconspicuous ones that seem to always be – like, how many non-contact injuries have we seen that have just derailed yeah, the exactly. in preseason or in, in training camp, right? Yeah. The guy, yeah. I mean, you get rolled up. Like, if it's a high, yeah, it, there's just so many things that could be getting rolled up on. Mm-hmm. But the, the nice part is we they know they don't have the crossover. They're playing for home field. They are. Cal, Cal, the problem is Calgary's going to keep winning, too, because Calgary's got a pretty easy schedule to close over the year. <laughs> Those two need to win night in McMahon. BC's like, come on, we got Winnipeg yeah. twice, and Calgary is Saskatchewan twice. Who made this yeah. schedule? Yeah, it was garbage. 
<laughs> there was a pretty balanced uh, defense from BC. Everybody was really uh, contributing. Woody Barron was in there. Uh, two sacks for David Menard. And the leading tackler was Jordan Williams, who had six tackles, including two on special teams. So everybody was uh, getting a hand in on the action there, including a interception from Gary Peters. And then, man, I, I mean, you look at <laughs> Ottawa's offense, I, I think five targets for Jalen Acklin, probably not acceptable uh, for the, the way Ottawa's offense was run. No. Though Nick Arbuckle had 363 yards of offense, they just couldn't. Again, just missed opportunities, kind of like Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, spread the ball out lots. Had eight different pass catchers, but, I mean, nobody really took the game over for Ottawa. No. Like, you have a guy like Jalen Acklin who we've seen make big plays and be be a number one for this team. Darvin Adams. Like, kind of quietly having, a like, an okay year. Fighting it a little bit, drop a few balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, drops these a little bit, but I mean, still targeted five times. Yeah. Like, in what world with those two on your roster is Justin Hardy yeah. the leading receiver that night? Like, I don't I, I don't want to blame that. I don't want to say it's Nick Arbuckle. I don't want to say it's like, it, it's kind of just a, it's a sum of all the errors or whatever you want to call it. But when you have those guys in, in your receiving core, you should like you would expect one of them to be your number one every night. It's that uh, that drive chart again, and when you just <laughs> they I'm don't have a to touch at it. they don't have a touchdown until uh, the the fourth quarter. Uh, it goes punt, field goal, missed field goal, punt, punt, field hey, goal, field goal. But I mean, field nothing, goal. nothing, nothing like your first three trips into the red zone resulting in nine points. Yeah. Exactly. And that has been a problem in that's, Ottawa. That's a Jason, that's a Jason Moss coach team. <laughs> it's been an Edmonton issue. Edmonton knows what's up. Edmonton knows what's up. <laughs> there for uh for for a long long time and now uh they've got a new coach and we'll see what that does to the offense. You just need to finish drives. It sounds simple. It sounds cliché, but the, that's as simple as it is. The teams that score touchdowns beat the teams that score field goals. Yeah. Yeah. How about Tavon Usually. Smith, though? The the old uh, Brazilian tie, most outstanding Canadian prediction from 2021. Seven. That, that, <laughs> I hate you. Hey, I had high hopes for him, too, but he's in the last couple games for Ottawa. Mm. And here he gets seven catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. I don't think anybody Those are MOC had him on numbers. Their... <laughs> Those are MOC numbers. They are. I don't know if anybody had him on their fantasy roster, but. Uh, Devon Smith, maybe he's going to be a contributor on that uh, offense in 2023. You need, like, you look at all the successful teams, whether or not it's at skill positions or on the offensive line or, you know, safety like Taylor Loeffler, you have not even a smile. I'm able to work <laughs> in a Taylor Loeffler reference. I don't even get a smile from you. Um, you know, it's Canadian been a while team. since I've heard yeah. that, babe. So, that, yeah, it's good to hear that. Canadians need to contribute in whatever position they're playing. The good team, the teams that win Grey Cups have Canadians that contribute, whether it's at receiver, O-line, anything. Yeah, you got to pay them a little more. Yeah. 
but if they if they're contributing on top of like they don't even have to be your number one, but if they're contributing on top of what your other your other players of that position are doing or in that O line group are doing, it just makes your team that much deeper and that much better. So if he can continue this, I mean, yeah, we know they're not going anywhere. We know it's kind of a lost season for Ottawa, but they can build on it and ramp up in next year. James Butler, it was a nice game for him. 16 carries, 89 yards. He gets the receiving touchdown, four touches there, and uh, another 30 yards. So that was good for the Lions. I know they want to get him going in that offense, but things starting to move along. Now you want to see consistency because a couple games ago it did seem like the Lions, well, they did beat Calgary, and things were you know, turning around. And then that game against Calgary last week, it seems like beating Calgary just kind of angered them a little bit. <laughs> and when you do that, like regular season, like beating Calgary in the regular season, now it's kind of Winnipeg. Yeah. But beating Calgary, you know, in the last 10 years in the regular season, that was a huge that was a huge thing for any team that could do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's, you know, Arthur Fonzarelli jumping the shark for BC. This season, I mean, but to, to beat them and then go and get absolutely rolled, like they they just they weren't in that game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then to come back like this, yes, it's against Ottawa. Ottawa has to travel across country. It's the late yeah. game on the Friday. Get all that, but you know, a rebound game after that game against Calgary. Yes, consi- like a little bit of an inconsistent stretch, but I mean. I, f- I feel like the offense have been consistent. Like, you know, they're still trying to establish a run. They're still trying to spread the ball out to the receivers. Dom Rhymes, Lucky Whitehead, Burnham when he's healthy. Like, everybody is getting looks. And eventually that's just going to keep paying off. Mm-hmm. And especially if they can establish a run with James Butler and he hasn't, like, he's putting up 89 yards, averaging just over 5.5 yards carry, setting you up for success, second, you know, four, three. Yeah, at times this season, it seems like. They've kind of forgot about him or not really involved him much in the offense. And going forward. I wonder if a little bit of that maybe is spelling him out. It could be. It could be. You know, managing workloads. Uh, BC goes to Toronto Thanksgiving weekend. And then they've got the the home and home with uh, Winnipeg. Poor bastards. Or no, it's not a home and home. They've got Winnipeg. They've got Edmonton. And then they've got Winnipeg again. Depending on what Calgary does, they... Well, I mean, Winnipeg is going to be in rest mode at some point. Yeah. Well, so, not for the first game anyway, because no. they they want to definitely lock up yeah. that first place. But they might they might do their rest like they did last year, where it was kind of split half and half. Yeah, yeah. Like they didn't rest everybody in those last two weeks. They rested half the guys in that second last game and half the guys in the, in their eighteenth kind of thing. And you know, it still le- leaves some integrity in the lineup. You still get to look at guys. You know. It, why not? Like, why not try to win the games? Mm-hmm. Montreal goes to Edmonton and the dreaded Commonwealth this is, Stadium. This was free first. money. This was free money for anybody. It was never in doubt. <laughs> Montreal beats Edmonton 25-18. Danny Machocha said the team needs to get better at finishing, and that's what they did here. Uh, the Edmonton Elks. Did not score a point in the second half. They had an 18-17 lead going in to the second half. And 
what happened was Montreal scoring that eight points in the fourth quarter and winning the game. But it's not to say that Edmonton didn't have the opportunities. They had the ball for almost Uh five minutes longer than the Alouettes. Uh, They had two interceptions in Montreal's end. There was that turnover on downs. I I thought it was really uh, the the first uh, interception in Montreal's end. I thought it was some real uh, Saskatchewan play calling there when uh, Cornelius throws. (laughs) When they started on play calling, I just spent, you know, (laughs) there was a a legit 12 hours of football on today, and I'm just so done with coaches in their <laughs> shape. Like Throwing that uh, interception, getting it returned 110 yards for a touchdown. That was the winning score. So <laughs> they, I thought they should have been running it like Kevin Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, overall, he had himself a pretty good game. 5.4 yards a carry, 14 for 75. And then the next time they're down at the goal line, well, they hand it off to Kevin Brown three times and they get stuffed. Armando Sewell up the middle and the D-line in the front of the Owls yeah. handled Edmonton and just stuffed him on the goal line. And Trevor Harris did what he needed to do. It seemed like, especially in the first half, Serezna and the boys were kind of all over him. But... <laughs> Harris gets sacked four times. He, he loses a fumble, but the Elks offense just wasn't able to to capitalize. But I think where it all changed was in the second quarter, the big uh, 33-yard play to Kenny Lawler falls on the shoulder. The defender basically falls on top of him. He runs off the field, and we don't see him the rest of the way. And that kind of seemed like it affected the Elks offense the rest of the game. His first game back from yeah. an ankle injury it's, leaves with it looks like a shoulder injury. You know, so deflating, not just for the offense, but for the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it changes your your play calling. It changes the 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 play the plays you want to call. You know, when you have when you have a guy like him in your lineup, you feel like you can go to him in, at, in any situation at any time, any coverage, anything like that. It kind of yeah. just changes the mindset, especially of your quarterback and of your OC. And when he goes down, it's like, it's like a lost puppy dog for for 15 minutes, not knowing what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like a security blanket. I know the knock on Cornelius has been the ill-timed interceptions. I, I think they were both tipped, but... I mean, still 16 to 28, 273 yards and two interceptions. And then when you got Geno Lewis on the other end, (laughs) that touchdown, I I don't know if he could have been covered any better and he catches it with one hand like it was nothing. Just getting beat. (laughs) Right? What is he supposed to do there? (laughs) All right. There you go. One hand, just like nothing. Just like yeah. spreading butter on toast, like wow, <laughs> like Trevor Harris, fourteen of seventeen, one eighty, and a touchdown. If that's not a Matt Nichols game, I was, oh, I was like, are you sure it was wasn't Matt Nichols quarterback? <laughs> like, if it's not a Matt Nichols managed game, I don't yeah. know what that yeah. is. Yeah, that's. I looked at that line. I'm like, and you lost. Yeah. Like, 
you protected the football and you look at the turnover. It's like, oh, you didn't protect the football. <laughs> you got sacked four times. It's like <laughs> they also they were also more disciplined than Montreal. So I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, you discipline. Know who's not happy? Dave Campbell. Mm. That was a fun broadcast to listen to. <laughs> Where was he the angriest? The Owls, might, by the way, eleven. It might penalties. have been the. It might have been the Trevor Harris two point convert. <laughs> Again, I'm like, is that Kerry Joseph? Like, what am I watching? So, the words "embarrassing," I believe, were used. Like, it was. I mean, more. Morley did a great job. You know, he lit that bottle rocket start <laughs> and and went all game, and he didn't like. You know, he just he was even keel, right? That's what he does. Never gets too high, never gets too low. And Dave was just not having it <laughs> that second half. And it was great. By the way, I ran into Morley at Monday Night Raw. and uh, oh, Of course a, you did. Had a chat with him uh, before that. So that, that was awesome. The Owls, 11 penalties, 106 yards. And the Elks, 7 for 75. So, I mean, the Elks had all the opportunities in the world just when you're – the other team's 10, throwing an interception, probably yeah. not the best uh, thing. Yeah, ask Kurt Warner. <laughs> Walter Fletcher, 12 carries, 67 yards. The former Elk, he had three catches for 29 yards. But Dominic Davis getting a rushing touchdown, I did consider starting Dom Davis. But I did make the right choice at quarterback. My receivers, however, sucked on my uh, – fantasy lineup the owls one of my receivers was an absolute liability all day <laughs> there you go the montreal alouettes now 500 on the season behind one game behind the toronto argonauts eight and six the seven and seven montreal alouettes and and here we go montreal's got ottawa twice and then they have Toronto twice. This looks like a ten and eight year, and a chance and a chance to host that East final. Exactly. That's crazy. The like absolute nuts. The way that that's that that team season started with you know Vernon Adams and him getting pulled and Trevor Harris coming in and all that rigmarole and they trade Vernon Adams. There's the picture of Quee. And Gary Stern with the, with the notepad, <laughs> like just it's mind bottling. The Owls five and one in their last six, and William Standback is set to return Thanksgiving weekend against all. They might they might go four and zero in the year. <laughs> I don't Austin know. Matthews it, can win all the Hart trophies he wants, and nobody cares. It's not. They're not going out and blowing teams, and uh, Machocha said they need they need to Part, <laughs> blow our <pardon> teams. <laughs> that wasn't even a that was a that was an an oral typo, uh, but <laughs> I'm just gonna let this go. Uh, but Standback set. Uh, I'm blushing. Yeah, I can see that. Standback set to return. For the Alouettes coming up here, that's just another addition uh, to to the Alouettes offense. I think as long as Harris protects the ball, that seems about all that they need. And they need to get rid of the penalties. I think there's no denying that. That'll kill you. But (laughs) 
it's it's tough to explain that they just keep finding ways to win five of their last six for the and, Owls. And and, the one saving grace who is the division they're in. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. But yeah, I'm not. Like, you can only play the teams that are in front of you. you can, the teams but in your division, you don't have any control over that. <laughs> they didn't. That is. And ruined everybody's pickup. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. As for as for Edmonton, again, uh, another opportunity to catch Saskatchewan a little bit. And I, it, I don't even think that matters anymore. They just need, they just want to win a game at home. I don't think they care. Yeah, and I, they they've got two more chances. One's against Toronto. One's against BC. I mean, it's it's doable against Toronto. But I don't think Maybe. I don't know. I don't if think it's it happens. Happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. Bet three sixty five was giving away money on Saturday when Montreal <laughs> was a dog, and it's just At like plus one thirty. I'm like, what is happening? Right they're here? not mathematically out of it, but Saskatchewan Edmonton? has a tiebreaker with them. Yeah, Edmonton they're... couldn't lose. I thought, oh no, because Saskatchewan lost. Saskatchewan won and Edmonton mm. lost, then they were eliminated. But yeah, so it was never that was never a threat this either. But now that Saskatchewan does have the season series with Edmonton, it's yeah. it's a tall order. Oh yeah, but you gotta win uh, out. Yeah, and Saskatchewan's gonna lose out, which is certainly which is, possible. Which is gonna happen. <laughs> Calgary beating the Toronto Argonauts twenty nine to two. It was never really a game here, and it's not like it was fourteen two at one point. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, the first score was by Toronto yeah. on a punt single. Uh, in the second quarter, and God, then, I love this league. And then the next was a missed field goal from Boris Beattie. So the Toronto it offense stop me if you've heard that one before. Did nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Literally, it's, it's not like the Stamps offense stomped Toronto as well. But and it's been said, really you said stomped there, <laughs> stamped. Yeah, like you, come on. Man, I was at a four-year-old's birthday party earlier. That sounds. How drunk did you get? Because that's all I would want to do at a four-year-old. But that's probably why I'm so exhausted. What's the point of going to a four-year-old's birthday party? (laughs) But it's not like the uh, Calgary offense dominated Toronto, and that's because Toronto does have a solid defense. Mm -hmm. Um, Two interceptions thrown by Jake Mayer. Uh, He knocked Mwamba. He was playing all over the place. He had both of those interceptions, but big losses for the Toronto defense in Shane Ray and Winton McManus that could, hopefully they're not serious, that could affect the Argonauts going down the stretch here. But both of these teams, very familiar with each other, both offenses basically the same. So they know how to play defense. They know how to play defense against each other. And that's... I think probably why the offense has yeah. really struggled in this game. Yeah, I mean, and those two losses for Toronto are those are nothing to dismiss. Those are big losses for that team. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, there's just so much crossover between these two teams. You know, players going based mainly from Calgary to Toronto. Like we've been calling Toronto Calgary East. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're so familiar with with. Not even just the on field, but the organizations and how they run stuff and how, you know, when you have that same coaching staff, that that consistency in the front office, yes, that's we talk about how that breeds success, but 
how much really changes year to year when it comes to philosophy and play calling and schemes and all that stuff. And really, uh, the, the Calgary D line was all over Toronto, mm-hmm. um, which is not news, right? They they only did have two sacks, but a lot of times it was <laughs> three man rushes, and mm-hmm. really uh, having McLeod Bethel Thompson under pressure, and he was just not in sync with his receivers, and sometimes the receivers were to blame for a lot of the struggles as well. A lot of the times it was on him as well. Just the the offense was not in sync at all. Look at that. I don't know if there's a in sync song you want to throw in there. Hmm. I'll do it at the end <laughs> when I'm signing off. <laughs> but it, it, to me, it seems like the Calgary D-line, they might be one of the most underrated units in the league, but they're getting better as this season goes on. Sean Lemon... Double-digit sacks again. Isaac Adeyemi Berglund has a sack here. Like, if, if Sean Lemon's in Ottawa, he's traded. <laughs> right? He's yeah. in Edmonton, he's traded. Probably. Yeah, well, because he's on a – wow. He wasn't he a part of the traded. culture in Edmonton, yeah. I think. Yeah, he must hate winning culture. Yeah. <laughs> but because he's on a, on a team like Calgary that's got a chance to make a run, and, the, and you can just worry about playing like, holy – this. It's what we've been saying. Like this guy can be an absolute force, and just the fact that he's jumped around so much is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, who the, the receiving numbers for Calgary? Reggie Bagleton was the leading receiver, four catches, forty-three yards, and a touchdown in my lineup. Nice. Richie Sindani was number two. He had 41 yards. Yeah. Uh, Luther Hakunavanu had five targets, only connected on two of them for 36 yards. It was enough <laughs> for me to win my fantasy matchup, which we will get to. But this game was all about Kadeem Carey. 14 carries, 92 yards, 6.6 yards a carry. That's right about his average for the season. Which you'd, is nuts. You'd think a guy that's getting that many yards a carry, they'd be giving him the ball 25 oh. yards a game. I know he's been dealing with some nagging injuries here and there, but <laughs> as the weather gets colder, I think they're going to want him to be as healthy as <laughs> he can yeah. be and we're going to see healthy doses of 35 going forward and they have Peyton Logan to spell him off I think that's been huge too well, they got Diedrich Mills they got three and starting Diedrich, like, cannibal cal- caliber, caliber running backs <laughs> too much you have some you have some liver and fava, fava beans at that birthday party or what <laughs> I was going to do a uh uh, an impression. Yeah, I'll let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Cuddy. He never says that, though. Everybody does. I know. That's one of those uh, crazy. No. It's not Luke, no. I am your father. No. no. See, the more you no. know. No. It's, it's just a father. false memory. Yeah, there you go. How did that get into your head? Uh, Devaris Daniels. Five, <laughs> five catches, 51 yards. Uh, Cam Phillips returns to the lineup, three for 43. Curly Gittens had 36 yards. So, the yeah, the offense was very limited uh, for the Argos. Uh, A.J. Olette did have seven yards of carry, 
nine for 66, but yeah, that's only the nine yards, only nine carries. That's the problem. That's the problem. So McLeod Bethel Thompson, 19 of 38, 194 yards and two interceptions. I thought that this that's was also a-, a Matt Nichols game. Yeah, that's true. I thought that this was was an opportunity that Toronto had to show that they're there to compete not only to deserve that first place in the East Division, but compete with the top teams going into the playoffs. I know we're about a month away, but Toronto's defense, again, championship caliber. I used to say that about Saskatchewan's defense. Uh, (laughs) Look where that happened. But I I think Toronto wanted to prove that they could compete with the top teams in the CFL, and it didn't happen here. It just didn't happen here, bottom line. It seems every year, start of the year, we we start feeling sorry for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. He's just been the whipping boy for Toronto. Like gets cut, gets yeah, resigned, yeah. cut, resigned. But here we are. They're they're a game up. They can't compete against the West. Like at some point, you gotta stop feeling sorry for this guy and just be like, they need to move on. I don't like. You're, he's not beating the teams he needs to beat. They're not going to win a Grey Cup with him. God, I, don't isolate that. <laughs> Like freezing cold takes, here we come. I do think that anything short of a Grey Cup berth for the Argos this year is probably disappointing. Yeah. The the veteran talent they have on that team, and I know that Andrew Harris isn't playing anymore uh, because of the injury there, but the, the veterans they have in the receiving core, they've got veterans on defense, McManus, Mwamba, yeah. Davis. Hey, that secondary is uh, making teams pay lately too. So I, I think, again, Thanksgiving weekend, the BC Lions in Toronto, the former Braley Bowl, uh, yeah. they need to have a good game against VA, yeah. a, a, an opponent that they're quite familiar with from his time yeah. in Montreal. Well, and, you know, Montreal's got to play Thanksgiving Monday. That's tradition. Yeah. So you you let BC come in and, and run your show, and all of a sudden you're watching that game on Monday, being like, we might be losing grip on that. Well, they're I mean they're down to one game, but yeah, we we might lose this lead, and then we're fighting for our lives because like, do you really want to go on the road for that East final, especially after the how long you've had first place? Like it just feels like a complete collapse. Yeah, you're still in the playoffs, but just it's just deflating. How about the Thanksgiving Monday and then the Friday matchup between the Owls and the uh, uh, Red Blacks? I know this used to happen between the uh, the Edmonton, Edmonton and Calgary Labor Day and rematch Edmonton. games, but Monday and Friday, that is tough. That is brutal for those Stupid. two teams. So that, that second game probably gonna be going to be a tough one. Uh, I don't know why the Hamilton Calgary game. Oh, nobody gets a back injury on Friday. (laughs) And then plays on Friday. Are you you talking about me? No. Oh, the the back injury. Yeah. Yeah. I've had back injuries. I didn't walk like that. I only walked like that (laughs) after. Well, I didn't hit my head. Something went in my head. The uh, CFL Podcast Network Fantasy League, you and I 
squeak into the playoffs in completely different hey, fashions. All you need to do is make it, right? That's it. We're in. That's it. Yeah. So, we're, we're at the dance. We're at the bar. Nobody's going to ask us to dance, but we're there, man. <laughs> I beat Superfan Mike by .6 to clinch a playoff Stop spot. the count. Here's what happens. It was about two minutes left in the game, and I'm like, okay, 81, Luther Hakunavanu hit him one more time. One catch for six yards, put me up by .6. You get the highest score of the week. Beat Zach of Bonfire Sports. We're both into the playoffs. I tweet out, I tweet out the best GIF response, and nobody <laughs> replies to it. <laughs> Who are the fantasy leaders this week? Oh, you're making me do work now. Yeah, I, uh, I had Zach Kolaros, uh, that four-touchdown game, really. That's your number one, yep. <laughs> okay, nice. That uh, that really saved my my lineup, uh, although. Vernon Adams, Vernon Adams Jr. was second at 24. Was and my he starter. was $5,900, so. Yeah, it was that was nice. Cody, Cody was your top three. Wow. Like, what? What? <laughs> 19.9. But then you look who's below him. Nick Arbuckle, Taylor Cornelius, Trevor Harris, who played like garbage. Uh, Burnham's Jr. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Cody B. Oh, no, yeah, Burnham's Jr. is up there. I don't know why I have him on here twice. Um, but, like, I mean, nobody really had that runaway week. Claros and Vernon Adams, both over 20. Um, and, I mean, that Claros game, like that fourth quarter, even just that second half, just won him the week, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. When it comes to running backs, James Butler, Kadeem Carey, Devontae Williams was third at 13.4. Again, like if you didn't have James Butler, you could have picked any two of those, any two of the running backs that so were what did Butler in that have? middle. Butler had 21.9. Okay. So in my I had, lineup. I had Oliveira who had, uh, he had a 100-yard game, but yeah, uh, 10.1 no didn't get in, didn't find the end zone. Yeah, and Kevin Brown, 12.6, uh, I mean, 75 yeah. yards and the two catches. Also in my lineup. Yeah, so what was receivers looking like? Because my receivers had a combined 17.7 <laughs> points. That's two receivers in a flex, by the way. That's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> talk to Dembski and Sean. Sorry, I'm calling him Shane. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Uh, 27.4 and 22.5 to Vaughn Smith, 20.7 and uh, Swerve, 18.7 and Dylan Mitchell, 15.8. Who had to Vaughn Smith? That doesn't seem right. That that can't be right because where's my Calgary guys? I would like to. Well, uh, Reggie Bagleton only had about 14, so. 14.3, yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah, okay. There Um, you go. Yeah, I had Bagleton. I had Dalton Shane. Kevin Brown, James <laughs> Butler, Vernon Adams Jr., uh, Jalen Philpot, who got me three point six. Thanks. Like you're basically my Kevin Biggio, and I hate you. And uh, the Bombers' defense put up ten. Yeah, yeah, I was happy to have them. They were actually forcing uh, turnovers, uh, two interceptions, a recovered fumble, and they only allowed thirteen points. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Taproot. Publishing, 
uh, Taproot Spotlight, sorry. It's a service that helps businesses uh, and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you, and you can use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. It's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. There you go for week 17 in the CFL. Uh, Are you going to be able to be on for uh, two consecutive shows? Yes, Ty going 4-0 in Pick'em. Did you gain any ground in the official or overall standings? Technically, yes, because I had such a bad week last week that Mm. dropped into like the 40, so I'm back up to 22nd. 22nd in the country. (laughs) Hey, you might win a free trip to the Grey Cup. What would you do with it? Uh, Sell it. (laughs) All right. We'll be back to get you ready for week 18. I, 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 I will. You know what, Travis? Just for you, I'll only golf nine holes on Wednesday afternoon so we can record before you go to work. Wow. If that doesn't bring, if that doesn't make you cry, I don't know what will. If that's not a Thanksgiving moment, I don't know it's what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving miracle. <laughs> you can rate review. Sub- it's like planes, planes, trains, and automobiles. I was trying to think of a Thanksgiving movie. Subscribe to Two It Out on your favorite podcatcher. Hey, hit YouTube, leave a comment, ring the bell, hit subscribe. Hey, the subscriptions have been uh, growing in a little while. And who you know what else want? is growing? That mustache. Who else doesn't want to see? It? Man, Pete Walker's got to be jealous. (laughs) We'll talk to you on Thursday to get you set for Week 18. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.